You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Oh, f- the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week, we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Join in on the conversation. Visit the sidebar at wearelibertarians.com and join our Facebook group, meet other listeners, and get our daily news dump. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff. Like free shows, like hours a week on that private RSS feed that only Patreon subscribers can get. This show is crowdsourced, so you can send us uh, stories and news with the hashtags WALnews or WALpolitics. We're in our group and Discord channel. We're always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at wearelibertarians.com. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. We're going to talk about the government shutdown and FISA and uh, breaking news that Chris Galt was just reading me before the show about uh, the Mueller investigation. But Thursday shows that we record Tuesday evenings and Thursday evenings. Tuesday evenings are, are what are the headlines of the week? Thursdays are a little more of a deep dive and a little less serious. I cannot strain less serious enough with this show tonight. <laughs> When we are the we have the original cast of We Are Libertarians for the first 30, 40 episodes, it was myself, Chris Galt. How are you? Pretty great. And Creighton Harrington. Creighton, how are you? I'm good. 
He looks like <laughs> he's been damn. keeping up on his muscles. See, Creighton is uh, the least <laughs> professional of all the co-hosts yeah. that we have. He's one of the smartest, if not the smartest. I would say James Neese and uh, Creighton Harrington are probably in the running for the two smartest co-hosts we've had. I'd say Greg is definitely we up there. Do, we should do another uh, Fraction Reserve banking episode. <laughs> well, we could tonight. No, you two, you two could, you two could <laughs> no. not like could not have prepared less for this episode, which is so much like the old days. To fill in the time, he almost brought his guitar. <laughs> oh, yeah, back in he was going to sing his lullabies. I, I am in black. Back in black. See, Creighton once brought. His electric guitar oh, to man. a podcast. Galt, how annoyed was I? It, so you, <laughs> you looked like you wanted to kill him. Because <laughs> I did. I was shredding it though. So you were having a great time. It was <laughs> you, his favorite one. We were. It was after recording. So yeah. I see. I didn't. I, Everything good was after recording. Back I didn't back. know about <laughs> autism. So like now I see it clearly in young in young Creighton. But I am <laughs> I am a well put together young man. <laughs> You're very handsome. Uh, you, your hair, your hairline's not receding. Not yet. You, you got a nice beard. I need to, I need to. Rogaine. Can, here, you're going <laughs> to need to talk. They can hear me. They yeah. don't care what I have to say at this point anyway. See, so Creighton is the least professional. <laughs> yet one of, and he the, sounds like a pessimist. I, I haven't said a single curse word yet, so. No, you haven't. That's professional. Yeah. I was wondering how many I was going to count them. Yeah, so we're, we, I don't. When was the last time the three of us, just the three of us, did an episode? Probably when he punched me. No, we did Try, one. Tried to punch me. We did one in between, didn't we? I think. Well, yeah, no. There was like it we was did, a month we later. We did the Morty show. Well, yeah, but that yeah, I'm but saying that was all of us. Just just oh. us three, because after Chris left, Greg came in and Greg replaced Galt. Wow, we haven't been in the same room together. We haven't. Yeah, where is Greg? See, there's there's a weird tradition. There's a weird tradition on this podcast of co-hosts quitting, and uh, some of them take that very seriously. Uh, Greg's doing great. Uh, actually, I uh, Greg is starting a new podcast, a new uh, website, a thwart history. I think is it. I don't. I, I don't. Say a uh, Buckley quote. Yep. So go check that out. Big surprise that he would name his <laughs> podcast after a Buckley quote. So, uh, but yes, he he carried on the tradition. Uh, he and Cat, and they're still together, and they're doing great. And uh, but Galt, you, 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 you're. I would say you're a conspiracy theorist. What? You guys always call me that. Uh, all right. So how, what would you? How would you describe yourself? Huh? How would you describe yourself then? Uh, I'm open-minded. A person willing to believe in alternate facts. <laughs> I, I'm willing to consider alternate facts. So in <laughs> March eight, March eighth, two thousand twelve, we are libertarians. Started with the three of us. I I knew Galt because he had worked on some campaigns with me, and uh, he he said uh, I've got this smart friend who loves to talk. He'd be a good third. I said bring him on over. I said. I did like to talk. It's nice to meet you, Clayton Harrison. And uh, <laughs> I had no idea what his name was till the third episode. Yeah, Clayton. <laughs> and uh, we did one episode the week before, and I lost it. Mm-hmm. I didn't record we it. Record it again. And then, uh, yeah, and- you had to carry your entire computer into the recording room at that time. <laughs> like you literally I just did. imagine every time, like he's got his office, and then we come to record, and he carries literally a PC tower into literally. every. Every and this happened for like at least a month. Before you finally got something that could stay in the room. Yeah, the Zoom H2 finally. <laughs> so Creighton's a genius and I'm a conspiracy theorist. That's what you see. 
I, do, I think you're a very smart person. Well, that's accurate. Tell me why the lawyer, the you're, lawyer. I consider you a very, I consider you a very stable genius. Tell me why the lawyer. <laughs> a very stable. genius. That's a huge statement there. Uh, so Galt, Galt, uh, Galt and Creighton. So Galt wanted to talk. He started talking about fluoride and wanted to do a show about conspiracies. But here's the thing. Like now. Five, six years later, in the world where Alex Jones is mainstream and everybody's willing to... People, like, want us to talk about conspiracies now because they want to hear about Waco and the Unabomber. They wanted and, to hear about it before. Right, but p- polite you, I, society... I, I was, I, here's what I am. I, I was, I'm a progressive. I was still... You, you I was guys a normie. were behind I was me. a normie, yes. And now no. you're catching up. This is, this is the difference. At that time, <laughs> in our niche at that time, if we had gone down the route of having 9-11 truth episodes we would not be in the same basket that we're in right now no there no we would not we're fighting for relevance and respectability at this point i don't understand how a debate about an of one of the deadliest events in history would have see this is why anyone's mind you guys would have defended the actual story somebody else may not have but you would have won right because that's the truth to you so i don't understand how that would have swayed your audience or changed anything about your show we didn't really have an audience at that if we had (laughs) right we really only had 30 people absolutely nothing would have changed you would be exactly where you are right now with episode 37 being the 9-11 it, it it wouldn't have been a big deal. See, this is why Galt got punched. <laughs> he didn't actually. I so, did not punch Galt. So Creighton was like, "I will not no, attach." You football tackled me. I didn't football tackle. <laughs> no, either. because <laughs> no boys. I remember it very clearly. Oh, okay. I do too, because it's one of the funniest moments of my I life. Was there, <laughs> right? And uh, I stood up to break you two up, and then Galt swung the slowest punch I've ever seen in my life. It was in slow motion. It was, it was definitely a reluctant punch. Cra- <laughs> he was like, there was like, I as he was, it at Morty's. as he was swinging, he was going, my nap. <laughs> so, so yeah, we we re- we acted it out on uh, episode two hundred of uh, We Are Libertarians. You can go back and listen, but. But yeah, I then they got into a fight, and then Galt went into a dark room and felt remorse. Creighton left in a huff, as he should. And Galt was like, "I'm really sorry, man." I'm like, "It's okay." And as they all left, I was like, "This is the end of the podcast. Galt or Creighton is going to quit after this." And it only took three or four episodes for that to happen. <laughs> but it wasn't me. I didn't quit. Well, you didn't quit. I fired you. Yeah. Thus, the name Dear Leader was born. But you were being a bit of a pain in the ass. With my great ideas that you now would have loved, but back then you just hated. <laughs> you see, Galt is a very insistent person. I love you because you are gung-ho. You are like, I have this idea. I want to execute this idea. And it's all it, about execution. Exactly right. But I want to execute you when I say I don't want to do that idea. <laughs> and you go, I want to execute that nonetheless. <laughs> so so I had to uh, – he forced a choice. He's like, listen, I'm, it's me or Creighton. I wouldn't I said, have forced the choice if you would have let me post all those great Creighton memes I was making. At the, and they were fantastic, and I wish we had them in, in I catalog do and you wouldn't have deleted them. I do they too. They were great. <laughs> but he was mad, and I was just trying to keep the group together. Uh, you were trying to keep Creighton you on your know. side. You let, no. You, you took the chat out of the chat. That was that's, that's, that, 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 that is that true. That was what was over the line That for is me. true. 
there, there's uh, you can't take the wall chat out of the chat. I don't think I did that. You did do that. You did. Nope. Yeah, you did. You're fighting with Harry right now, aren't you? I think that's Jeremiah's rule, and I, Jeremiah <laughs> wasn't a part of it back then. That's right. So there was no. You do have seniority over Boss yeah, Hog. Just saying. If Creighton and Galt want to cancel Boss Hog of Liberty, they should be allowed to. We'll be expecting bribes from, <laughs> from around. Is, what, what? He doesn't even know the Boss Hog. I know, I know it's Jeremiah's show. He's like, show, what show is that? They're, they're 40 shows in. He has a vague awareness. That I they're... know it's a show. <laughs> you knew Dude, I don't even listen show, to this too. show as much as I used to, man. Uh, you never listen to this show. So like, if well, you know. it's because I, I used to listen to it because I was there when right. it was recorded. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. And it's like two hours of pop. God damn. I got other <laughs> stuff to do. So funny. Uh, you don't drive for at least two hours a day. No. It's quite easy for me. Where do you drive two hours? I mean, I drive all, all over the city. I, I mean, I sell business. Oh, that's internet, right. So yeah, you're right. I'm driving everywhere. All over. Net Southwest ne- side. Oh, my. Right. Net neutrality thoughts. Go. <sighs> Let's dive into some topics. Why? Why? I, okay. I, we can do this, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Net neutrality. Chris Galt. Great. You're that for it. Gone. Great that it's gone. All right, so you you draw a paycheck from one of these big internet companies. Yeah, the one that lobbied to get rid of it. Right. Yeah, you're all for it. Then. All for it. I got a thousand dollar bonus. Personal and selfishness. Inse- no. <laughs> <laughs> really, I don't know. It things. It's uh, the big uh, big scary goat that the media and the internet has made you believe is. You know, gonna end the internet. See, this is a. It's not. The this is a, still here today. Yeah, this is a retro <laughs> episode because yeah. if you go back and look at the first forty episodes of the show, you're going to. T- t- we're going to talk about FISA reauthorization of Section hey, Seven Hundred Two. Talked about that back then. <laughs> we talked about it then. We're going to talk about net neutrality. Yep. Talked about it then. Government shutdown. Yep. Sopa. Remember Sopa? Rand Paul <laughs> filibusters. Yeah. It oh, all. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, that was this, unfortunately this one was a was a was a light filibuster, which is annoying because the the first one was like Mr. Smith goes to Washington style. Oh, it was great. Yeah. This I, one this one is a is a fake filibuster. I mean I was like uh this I can't stop watching this. This is great. <laughs> now I didn't even know this last one happened. <laughs> yeah, I guess they got they got cloter, cloatured so quickly. Claire McCaskill cloatured. uh shut it down. Sixty votes. Cloatured it. Right. Full cloture. Which I've had arguments on Reddit recently where they're talking about how Republicans and FISA and they want to spy on you. I'm like, they ain't 60 Republicans in the Senate. <laughs> Rand Paul was trying to filibuster that. Right. Yeah. All right. So let let's let me ask this, Creighton. Are, are, do you follow politics at all anymore? You used to work for Young Americans for Liberty. Yeah, and no, you, were, I, you were in the swamp. I you follow were, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm he mean, was so deep in the swamp. Yeah. He put disclaimers on every episode. Right, go he back made and us. listen to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was. I mean, I you once once you have a Facebook news feed of a certain type, it's really hard to get rid of it. So, right. Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> much the same. Oh, don't worry, they're going to whether you want them to or not. So it's yeah, I keep up on everything. I I mean. If it gets too bad, the only I'm, different... I'm waiting in Google Plus for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting. Are you? You're the only one there. Yeah, Google. <laughs> Google's the savior for that. For, uh, Google, we're part of the hey, people. They that... haven't killed it off because they're just waiting. Listen, <laughs> guy, Facebook will mess up. 
No, Facebook is already at MySpace. I mean, I I'm so fit to be tied over YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm just I'm done with it all. Well, once Facebook's gone, it's not going to be like, oh well, well it's the Google Plus is going to take over. Even, once, right. Even once Facebook Facebook's doesn't go- like Facebook. Yeah, I, but once once people like remove themselves from Facebook in mass, then it's going to be like social media well, of that style is just not going to be a thing. We're one of the people that got cut from the YouTube Partner Program. It's not like we ever made any money. I think we made twenty dollars off of YouTube ads, but it's the principle of the thing. Uh, we have to get up to a thousand subscribers. So if you would go to YouTube and subscribe to We Are Libertarians, we post the video of every show. You can watch the show. Uh, you can see what Creighton looks like. You can see what Galt looks like. Woo. Me, uh, and you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, we also put the audio version up there for those of you uh, playing home. And uh, yeah, WAL Politics also has a YouTube uh, feed. But the, these big companies, in the name of political correctness, really are doing everything they can to kill their to kill their brand. I mean, it started with it started with uh, Elaine Powell over at Reddit. And mm-hmm. Reddit, oh, yeah. Reddit really was the first to start sacrificing its subscriber base and its and its basically its agreement with users. To, hey, this is a platform for free speech, and then it became this is a platform for free speech as long as it fits within the confines of a leftist worldview. Mm-hmm. And now Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are are right there with them. Two years later, it's really disappointing. Yeah, all the Veritas stuff with Twitter coming out yeah pro- project veritas we touched on that last episode but basically mm-hmm. they came out and said we're more than willing to help uh them take down the president yeah i mean so i'm looking at it going and i've i've said this i said this for months and now they're doing it they're going to change the algorithm people don't want to go on facebook because they they're tired of trump so what they're going to do is show you your friends and family again and they're going to de-emphasize pages and move everybody over to tabs. And anything that's political, they'll just silence. And then, you know, for content creators like us, you you probably want to see our stuff. Yeah. You probably want to see what that's I why find. I liked it. Right. <laughs> if I wouldn't like your stuff if I didn't want to see what reason has to say. And so they don't care about that. They're they're and what they'll eventually do is once that outrage grows stronger they'll get a they'll adopt partners and so well if you want news you can get news in your facebook feed from the new york times and we'll put this little box over here and there will be a news widget and it'll be curated and we'll make sure that right voices are never there it's it's really and i think all these different platforms are going that direction i mean you've seen it with youtube if you go to the news section, it's just their partners, like the New York Times video. And all those companies you named are the same companies that stood up for net neutrality, it, for that, an open and you know even playing field, it, and they're they're the ones controlling the playing field. It's exactly right, and that's right. exactly why they wanted to keep it. Yeah, which I think is a very valid point because I, I, it's not like I like AT and T and Comcast. Right. Uh, I have AT and T. It's it's a very Poor product that well, I have here. You would love Comcast. I would if you, you would could love it. Please, I would love you to go over to uh, my apartment complex and sell them some Comcast. I'll talk to him. Please. Yeah. So, Creighton, what do you think <laughs> about all this? I mean, I I feel like the audience of this show probably knows where we're going to fall on net neutrality. But I mean, they you're tuned the in FCC. because they wanted you to say it. I know. <laughs> you're all just one af- af- affirmative voices here. 
No, I mean, I mean, it's. Uh, You've never been an affirmative voice. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a typical for for me. It's always been, even if there is a danger of Comcast or AT and T or whomever throttling internet because of whatever reason. To me. That's a lesser evil than giving the FCC the ability to control the infrastructure of the internet. Mm-hmm. Like people think, oh well, that's they're not going to manage content. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. They're they're just making sure that it's an even playing field. It's like if you give the FCC, the government, control of the infrastructure of the internet, you give them control of the internet. Right. And you know, maybe I am a little too paranoid, but. You're giving the government control of something that has reshaped society, reshaped civilization in ways that are profound, un- were not anticipated upon you know the arrival of the internet. And you're you're basically saying let's lock in a style of management of this system that exists today that may not work in the next fifteen years, twenty years. Maybe it won't. Maybe maybe it will. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will because it'll completely stifle innovation. Yeah. And so you're That's basically exact- you're basically telling all of these. These and to me the, the the big thing is that I think a lot of people don't like the idea of they they think of like throttling like oh I Comcast disagrees with this point of view so they're going to throttle access to your website and that's the big boogeyman that everyone's worried about but what it's in, what it will end up doing is mostly would have been uh, to prevent unique pricing schemes uh, to to give people you know preferred access if they paid more for certain things than if they hadn't paid more. And all that stuff ends up going into the actual infrastructure itself to increase its, you know, how efficient it is, how wide it is, get access to new areas. You know, these all these things cost money. Yeah. And you can't get that if you don't have people paying for it. So if if you're going to prevent uh infrastructures companies from being able to invest in their systems because they're not getting as much revenue than they otherwise could have then you're just you're preventing the internet from growing at a rate that it could be growing. You're still going to have internet, but it's not going to be as as sophisticated as it otherwise could have been. We still have roads, but yeah. we know if we had private roads, they'd be a lot more innovative right now. Mm-hmm. So I want to read this comment because it, it isn't something. I mean, go on our Facebook page and post one way on net neutrality, and it's just a s show. Uh, our Facebook page turns into a real it's, asshole. It's surprising how how there is a there is a significant split within libertarian circles. Yeah, in this. because a lot of libertarians have bought into what EFF and and other tech outlets and companies like Facebook and Google are saying, as opposed to you know a voice like mine, which says I work in the radio industry. I've lived through the censorship of of Janet Jackson. And knowing what you can and can't say. And it's important to point out that that was not originally in the FCC's mandate. It wasn't. When they were originally created, their job was to just make sure radio frequencies didn't overlap in specific areas. That you couldn't go, you know, we're on 94.7, that 95.5 can't jam the 94.7 signal without prosecution. The the censorship came afterwards. It's just another example of mission creep that happens with any kind of bureaucracy. Exactly. So the FCC is not a free speech organization, and you're talking about the greatest tool of human speech free speech ever and then you have these companies like Facebook, Google and uh, Twitter succumbing to basically thought control and limiting speech on their platforms uh, So a friend got a 30 day ban for saying something that was 
I mean, it was it wasn't anything that I found uh, inappropriate. I know I'm broken as a as a person because I grew up on the internet, but I just I sit there and I go, you know, as far as violating community guidelines, there's a lot of people in that person's community that wanted to see that. They thought that was funny. And it goes back to the community standards argument when they would when they would rule against Howard Stern or Bubba the Love Sponge, and they'd say, well, this isn't in the community interest for Howard Stern to interview a naked woman. Well, in some of the communities, it is in some of the community's interest to hear that kind of speech. Like, who is the FCC to rule on that or not? So it, it, it's a it's a case of I don't want to go fight my local and state governments, which would be easier for you to do than to fight the FCC. I promise you. Uh, so I'll just have the FCC fix it. Uh, Adam wrote in and uh, corrected me on something. Adam Nelson. Uh, so I figured it seems like a good time to write this and see if you guys disagree with this. Um, hey, I listened to you on the most recent podcast on Bitcoin and net neutrality, and I feel like you had some information mixed up. Yes, the FCC's de- decision to repeal net neutrality only repealed something that put in place in 2015. However, the reason why those rules were put in place were, was because the FCC also ruled that year that internet providers were no longer considered telecommunication companies, removing the restriction that all landlines must carry phone provider signals regardless of the owner. That was following a 2005 ruling that Madison River must allow VOI VoIP service phone calls over the internet that was run by a computer to use their internet service. Um, Also, as to internet companies owning the infrastructure for internet service in many regions, there are government-enforced monopolies, according to to this 2013 article. Yeah, we know there's monopolies at the local level. What I'm saying is go to your local government and get those monopolies repealed or replaced. It isn't that hard to write a bill or to go and pull up the various local ordinances that define that and write something to change it and then lobby to get that done. You can do that, and you can do that in a fairly short amount of time, create a local government that is uh, competitive and bring in somebody like a Spectrum or a Metronet when you only have a Comcast and a Verizon, and then you make yourself a more attractive community. So the argument that I get from net neutrality proponents where, well, there's so many local regu- local and state regulations, I get that. Change it. Not, don't add more. Don't add, add more. Add a whole other layer. At a whole other level that is m- way more. You have five people. The, three are Republicans, two are Democrats right now. And when the parties switch, it switch. These are people who are, are largely, they're political appointees, so they're subject to more corruption. They're not the, the these, this council of gods that will save the internet do some work like i'm i'm i get so tired of libertarians just it it's really like the net neutrality brings out a lot of statism tendency status tendencies where you go no nah, it'll never change so let's just have the federal government fix it it's like no i mean martin luther king as we discussed on the last episode is a great example of somebody who organized a movement in local areas and changed local governments and and it wasn't until it was completely intractable at these local and state levels and you had those state and local governments violating the Constitution and federal and state and their local laws that the the Civil Rights Bill was passed. And libertarians argue whether that was good or not, um, but they were at least trying <laughs> instead of getting online and going, I'm <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> like, go, go. It's not that hard to write a law. <laughs> 
It really isn't. And these laws that are these giant webs of generalization like that, they just don't work. Right. If, if there is a problem, fix it at the local level then. I guarantee that right. everybody who goes online and says, oh, at the but, local level, uh, it, oh, we have all these rules at local and state level. It's like, monopolies. Like, ha, do you Have you read the law? But they're like, it's monopolized in this rural area here in random North Dakota. I'm like, then make let North Dakota fix that. Right. That has nothing to do with New York City. It, it, is, <laughs> it is so much easier to make change at the local level than you realize. Because yeah. so few people We've made change at local level. Uh, we have, and and Galt can attest to this. It's so few people actually care about their local government that nobody ever shows up to mm-hmm. it. And so when a citizen walks in a room with a video camera, they all go, oh, "What is that?" <laughs> Boss Hog of Liberty is basically setting their the, what they're working on is setting a template for local uh, counties, uh, basically to be a watchdog on local government and build a media outlet for nice. their local county. And then what we're going to do is. After a period of time where we feel feel we've worked out the bugs, say, here's how we did it. Here's the guide to creating your own local media outlet that can change local government. And, uh, you know, they're now interviewing. We need to make We Are Libertarians chapters all across the country. That's kind of what we're working on. People can organize and change local policy. You know, the best one of the best people I've ever seen organize a state. Who? This guy right Creighton here. Harrington. Creighton Harrington. Put you in charge. He organized the entire state of Indiana. Creighton seems nonplussed. Oh, amazing. Uh, and so Adam Adam continues. <laughs> There's nothing I, to say. Chapters. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I believe as a libertarian that net neutrality is a necessary evil until we can bar government from harming competition so that smaller ISPs and tech companies can remain as viable startups. That's, see, that's the, the fundamental problem with that is that it once a government policy – this – Frankly, the fact that net neutrality got repealed is beyond insanely rare. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Milton Friedman has quotes where it's like, there's nothing more permanent than a government program or something. Or maybe it was Reagan. And, and it's a joke, but it speaks to a truth. Like, you know, we're talking about, oh, well, we need to have net neutrality until, you know, these little ISPs can catch up. It's like, if net neutrality exists and it's like a popular thing, it isn't just some... If it, it if it becomes like a legal thing, like if, if Congress passes a law to enforce net neutrality or something, it's gone. It's there forever. It's mm-hmm. never going to go away, no matter what. If you know, if the 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 sentiment changes, if uh, is if little ISPs do catch up to big ISPs, it's still going to be there. Right. It locks in a style of management forever, and that's something I don't think people realize. Like people have very short term. They don't have. They don't take a long term outlook with a lot of this stuff. They're like, "There's a problem here that we could solve pretty quickly with this," and that's what I'm thinking about. But what about this and this and this and this along down the line? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't. I mean, you know, right. that he say it could be anything, you know, and you you know, you don't really realize it. It's like you don't know what the future brings. You mm-hmm. don't. You you have no idea. You cannot anticipate the different styles of anything that will exist within internet infrastructure. Pricing schemes for internet, for mobile devices, for all that. You you just cannot see that. You don't. You're, no one is smart enough to know what's going to happen. So what you're saying is, let's lock in this specific one because I'm familiar with it. And as Ajit Pai basically said, there's been a five percent slowdown in innovation and expansion of broadband across the nation because they're dealing with more regulation because they have to go through the FCC to get a lot of stuff cleared. And so, and let's not forget that the 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 this was passed in a time when basically every reason for passing it that was given by net neutrality advocates were 
like one case in you know millions. Like it, it was very rare that anything that they said we needed net neutrality to stop actually was happening. Like prior to net neutrality, there was you know they argued we needed this to prevent this thing from happening and this thing from happening, but those things weren't happening. And then obviously they weren't happening when net neutrality was happening. Now net net neutrality, all we've done is move back to 2015 internet. Like it's not like we've gone to you know the gilded age or something it's <laughs> it's literally 2015 internet when none of these problems were happening to begin with now you could probably cite hey here's an example of it happening and here's an example of it happening but like i can give you like uh outliers of any kind of statement mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that there's a general trend and general trends are what should be legislated upon not specific instances of you know, some scary thing that may have happened one time and been a fluke. Well, it's also weird to see libertarians, you know, so much of the criticism of the Obama era was executive action was was too intense. And at the time, you go back and listen to the episode, we criticized this move because it's executive action where Congress should have acted. And these are libertarians sticking up for Obama executive action. And there's a lot of stuff that Trump is repealing that I see the li- people in the libertarian movement freaking out about, and if you probably went back to their post at that time, they were like, I don't trust Obama and his executive action. It's like, well, Trump's repealing that. It's like DACA is a great example of it. DACA is something, again, we talked about in those first 30 episodes, where it, it was. It, it's just been an, an executive can being kicked down the road, and Trump said, no, Congress needs to fix it. And now they're having trouble fixing it. They're kicking everything down. Or the weed memo. Yeah, go ahead. The weed memo. Like Obama should have legisl- should have used his right. political capital to just legalize marijuana rather than just tell executive agencies, eh, don't worry about just it. Don't worry because about it. Because then what happens, Trump gets elected, puts the worst guy in possible in, in, in charge of the Department of Justice, and he says, <clears throat> that memo is gone. And right. now we're not going to we just let you get away it. with it. Right. And, like, you know, if you would have used some effort – like this is something that gets me in general is like a lot of these issues. Uh, Obama had a lot of political capital in his for in the, at the beginning of his uh, administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a lot of political capital really throughout, but he really had a lot when they had the supermajority, and they used all of that to do health care. But he didn't really put any effort into any other things that could have been let. You know, there is an arguably there was a chance that marijuana could have been legalized, at least medically, on the federal level yeah. during that early administration. And he and liberals put no emphasis on it. It's because they don't prioritize it mm-hmm. as much as they'd like to say they do. But instead, he said, "Well, I'm just going to make an executive action, make a memo." And then what happens? Try it's like you you know you give this you have an executive action, then you can either undo it or they can you know the next president has the same power and you know the worst guy imaginable to the left got elected and what does he do exactly what we said he would do it's really like it's really hard to understand what obama did <laughs> you know he had you're right looking back i can remember the end of clinton and the end of bush and the end of obama well clinton had good approval ratings but the Lewinsky scandal and the impeachment completely sapped all of his his abilities. Bush was a pariah. I mean, right. nobody nobody that, liked George that, Bush. That that uh, that financial crisis hit at the perfect moment. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Obama, uh, he he at the end, I think he especially that last year where it looks like Trump could be a presidential uh, option. 
everybody was like, no, 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 no. And let's keep Obama. At yeah. least he's not going to do anything. You know, like even I was like, uh, I don't know. Do we, uh, they're both going to add trillions to the debt. At least this one's nice. Um, but it, it, he did squander, especially in that area. But it is interesting as we kind of reflect, like looking back years, it's like the conspiracy thing. So much of what we talked about in 2012 Things, it, it, it's almost like things don't matter as much now. Like things were much more, much more intense and much more like, and I don't know if it's because we were, I was a normie. <laughs> you know, we were normies. We hadn't seen the uh, famous 4chan meme of the grandmother that shall go remain unnamed. Like, was that, 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 that was your deflowering? That yes. Was- <laughs> yes. Uh, it just seems like, in politics and in political conversation, we're much more comfortable with a lot of stuff. It's like the brink of nuclear war will do that. You have to be now. Like, yeah, our like, lives are cartoons now. Right. Like, there's, <laughs> like, the, like, what was considered, like, normal and respectable is now just out the window. Like, right. And then the left is saying, well, let's have Oprah run. Like, right. Like, it literally is a Simpson. Uh, Hawaii Our was a hit Simpsons by a missile. Oh, <laughs> yeah. everybody believed it for like an hour, too. All right, making <laughs> the whole world. People were it's making like, Hawaii's memes. gone. Right. <laughs> well, rest in peace, Hawaii. That'll happen in the Trump age. Like, <laughs> we're just going to lose I mean, a state. It's true. Like, it, it, no, uh, but California's splitting up. You heard that? I know. I'm so saying. they'll add it back in. Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> I, just on one level, I'm kind of okay with it. Like, people recognizing a lot of what government is as you know kind of farcical and it now there's no there's no way around it you know you you look at it and you're like this is a circus right when at least beforehand it was like a respectable circus right they could at least put on a good show and you wouldn't notice that it's actually just a bunch of people on trapezes um but but now you can't get away with that like everyone's like it is a circus like there's people out there trying to make it be still be respectable but you know, the immediate response is some, you know, dude in the back of his pickup truck with a mullet saying, hey, Trump. If, if you want an illustration of that, there is no better illustration of us not taking politics seriously anymore. Like the fact that Alex Jones now has become a credible news source. Right. I mean, it's in insane. so many ways. Because, like, he's taken seriously because it, it, four or five years ago, he was a joke. Now people watch him and take him seriously because the president has broken so many norms and people has have pushed. Always taken him seriously. I I know they have, no, but people have always taken him seriously, and there are a place in the media for people like Alex Jones, and that is the that is the foundation and the bedrock of a free press is to have people like that that I agree. people like we can look at and decide for ourselves what he's I, saying. I, I have decided I, that he's a nutcase. I spend a couple hours a week with Alex. I I love Alex. I showed uh, I, sh- I my friend Michelle was over last night and I showed her Gay Frogs. She had never watched a second of Alex Jones and I go, well, we're watching Gay Frogs then. <laughs> we're, having, he, we're having an Alex Jones party. Bring your juicy juice. <laughs> she's a social worker and a super you know progressive and uh, basically <laughs> two years ago Tad Western called Africa a shithole and she about punched him and it was because <laughs> she was so outraged by it. Now she's just like. Whatever. That's just politics now. Like, it, it is. It's just people's Overton window has just shifted wow. so far that Alex Jones looks like a serious member of the media. And it's, it, but it's, it, what's insane to me is how 
90 I don't know like maybe we may we'll find out maybe after Trump people have kind of gotten sick of him maybe he doesn't get reelected maybe he doesn't I don't know I couldn't say left or right on that but like maybe it'll shift back to where Isn't like remember that the, remember that yawp that we had back in the days with with yeah that was crazy and now mm-hmm. everybody's respectable again but like you know yeah. he, he anything that that man says is stuff that would have ruined the political career of anyone uh beforehand one thing Stormy Daniels alone. Yeah, it, I mean, but but that was like that was what his charm was to to an extent. Like right. that's what got him to the level that he was at, and it, it was a I don't know if it was, a, but regardless, you know, if it's maybe it's something that's going to pass on to a lot of other people. You know, you haven't really seen anyone else other than Trump say Trump like things in right. in Congress or anything. So maybe it is Trump is the only one that can do it. Or maybe it is that you're going to have more... I mean, what's-his-face in Alabama that lost was probably the closest, you know, Trump analog in Congress that didn't get elected but would have been right. maybe if he got if he had won. But, like, you know, is it something that only Trump's going to be able to do when he's gone? It's back to West Wing-style politics? Or is it going to be when Trump's gone, there's just going to be another guy that fills that vacuum and just takes it and keeps the circus going? I don't know, because after Perot, you had the Reform Party, and Trump was part of that. He was he was running on the Reform Party ticket in 2000. Uh, and if you've, if you've read Mike Duncan's book about the fall of the Roman Empire, so Mike Duncan is the History of Rome podcast guy, and he wrote a book, I think it's The Shadow Before the Shadow, I think that's the title, but basically it's about the last 150 years of the Roman Republic before you get to you know the triumvirate and caesar and he he talks about the breakdown of mas maiorum uh hardcore history has a new podcast out which is like an addendum and he's he's interviewed by uh, uh by uh Dan Carlin about his book and uh, so if you don't like reading you can go listen to that i'll put it in the show notes but uh he talks about the breakdown of Mas Maiorum, where it is the breakdown of these norms, where you have in Roman society for almost a thousand years these traditions of how society operates. You have these institutions of here's here's the class system, and here's this, and here's that. And then the Gracchi come along, the Gracchi brothers, and completely start shredding Mas Maiorum the those traditions and it leads to the fall of the the empire within two two hundred years because they in in an effort basically to be demagogues to gain power for themselves violating what they knew couldn't be done in an effort to gain power for themselves they were the, destroyed the republic they were probably definitely not the first but you know early major populists right. like they're they they got much of their uh, political advancement by promising stuff to the plebes and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like that's the soldiers. That's and- what they. That's what they were all about. And yeah, and that wasn't really. There was like specific areas you're supposed to be in if you were certain classes and stuff. But and they just yeah they basically said well we're gonna use this. Here's an untapped demographic. Yep. And next thing you know, a hundred years later, Julius Caesar breaks all the norms and. We know how that ended, and and so I I look at Trump with a lot of terror in a lot of ways because I see him. You you read this book and you just see a lot of the parallels, and uh, the not just the it's not Trump's fault, right? It's not the Gracchi's fault. 
it is the the fact that the the populations of Rome and now the populations of America had lost sight of what it meant to be a republic. Like, can we all sit here and say that people have an understanding of what it means to be a member of our society, to be a member of of to be a good citizen? I don't think I don't think most people do. I I think most people have no idea. It's like just like we said, how how do you change a law at the local level? I don't know. I want the FCC to do it. Well, that's an unacceptable answer. More government to fix too much government is not an acceptable answer for an an American citizen, <laughs> let alone a libertarian, uh, because that's in direct opposition to the founding of this country and to the ideals of this country. And you violate those rules when you don't know what the rules are. And... And, like, the social contract, we go back to the social contract, yes. You look at the, the, as we talked about in the last episode, chastity as an institution. Forced chastity is wrong. But there's nothing wrong with choosing chastity as a lifestyle. When you say, I'd rather get to know people on an intimate level emotionally as opposed to sexually. Like, Aziz Ansari's first goal is to... Warm her up enough to sleep with her. <laughs> well, look at what the result was. You know, uh, an article in some tr- trashy blog mm-hmm. that basically threatens your career. Well, if you had had if you had built some trust with the woman first, and and used some of the rules uh, that we used to adhere to when it came to uh, the institution of sex, and it's when you say everybody has to be chased. Well, that's not that's not cool. <laughs> people can people should be able to make the decision for themselves. Yeah, just stop telling people what to do. Right, <laughs> like, you know, but let people live their lives the way they want. But in the effort to break the norm of forced chastity, we started promoting promiscuity, which hasn't worked out for anybody. Well, maybe for Creighton, but not for Galtney. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like there are those there are even those cultural institutions that at a certain point, like you have to start going. Okay, this is why everybody's so uncomfortable is because we're changing so many political, societal, cultural, economic norms all at once in the age of the internet that everybody's going too much, too much, too much, too much. And when that happens, you get swings back and forth. And you get a Trump on the on the heels of an Obama. So then you get a Bernie Sanders and then that swings back to like I don't know what the uh, I don't even want to think, like, what, who's further right than Trump. <laughs> well, I mean, frankly, like, Trump's – I mean, people think of Trump, you know, do they think of conservative politics or do they think of, like, assholery? Right. Like, I mean, yeah, you could argue that his biggest thing is immigration and that he has a t- probably a typically Republican-slash-conservative immigration platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's probably the, the most political issue that comes to mind with people, build the wall and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, and, but I think I think when people think of him, they don't necessarily think of conservative politics. They think of his assholeness, how, his, what he says, and, and, and whether or not he's a closet racist, mm-hmm. um, which comes back to what he says, mostly. But, like, as far as, like, conservative, traditionally conservative political platforms you know i don't think in my from my perception i don't think people perceive him as being that they don't maybe what they perceive is that he represents conservatism and therefore all of this old stuff that was considered traditionally conservative is now 
well, it must be what Trump believes. So old-style conservatism is, well, that's what Trump is. So I just have a hard time believing anybody who thinks, considers Trump ideolo- ideological in any way. Yeah, I don't— I Like, there's it, there's nothing to me about him that screams, I've read a book. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's first and foremost a businessman, and that's how he's approached everything. And, and he's, he's realized his niche is to, you know, say whatever's on his mind at any given moment— and people eat it up. And frankly, he that 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 fire is fueled in a large part by the media who he knows. I mean, he's he's not the he's probably not like the most book smart president we've ever had, but he's not dumb either. He knows that when he says something on Twitter that's going to play to his base, that the left is gonna throw that out there. They're gonna play this, you know, on loop over and over. The left is going to get all in a huff and huff and puff about it and it's going to cause all of this stuff to happen. He knows that the media eats that crap up. So like the left is a little bit to blame for this as well. It's like they're giving him this platform. They're they're, you know, well it's the president, the words of the president matters. And it's like, yeah, but he's kind of he's kind of a different animal in that regard. Like he doesn't choose his words carefully all of the time. So when he does say something shocking it is shocking he just literally just says everything all of the time so it gives what he says less meaning i think um in a way that a normal president wouldn't be able to get away with and but, so they they just makes, throw it out there makes what he says more genuine maybe i, I because he's not I, thinking not, about it he's just saying it maybe maybe <laughs> that's, if that's your idea i, I mean think if, that's what a lot of people see i think that's is a lot that he's genuine. no i i completely agree i do think a lot of especially the people that support him they they believe wholeheartedly that he's just come speaking from the heart and they find it refreshing. And he cares about America and he cares about our jobs and he cares about our economy and that's what he's going to do. He's and I and and, and that I completely believe that a lot of people that's what they think about him. Um I am not convinced that he is not choosing his words carefully. I think that he is a little bit smarter than I gave him credit for in that regard. Right. And he's actually he knows what he's saying before he says it except Kofefe. Um, well, well, I think it's uh, it's not. I've read that it's not him that's actually typing out what he's tweeting. I mean, he's sending his thoughts over to a communications guy. I think it's Dan Scavino, and he's the one actually pushing the Twitter buttons. I mean, so yeah, there I'm there is some sense. there is some level. I of, want that fact checked. Uh, New York Times Maggie Haberman Glenn Thrush about two months ago that was in their article where mm-hmm. he was sending. I mean, he probably does tweet out, but he's sending stuff to. He's literally picking up the phone and dictating to Scafino what he wants tweeted most of the time. So, uh, I I agree that I think he is more calculating than most people give him credit for, uh, because he's manipulating the media. I think he is a genius when it comes to media manipulation and getting attention. Oh, he he like, completely shattered every single kind of thing that involved the media from his presidential campaign onwards. Right. I mean, he has he took every. And I said this before on this show and just in general that he took a lot of the wind out of the sails of many of the silencing techniques that media, particularly liberal media, has used. You know, the race card most specifically. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, it used to be if you got called a racist, then, you know, you had to defend yourself and you had to basically prove that you weren't. Um, in, in, in for you know forever, like you had to prove that you weren't before you could make any movement forward. Right. What does he do? He shows a picture of him eating a taco, and he says, <laughs> taco "I love yeah, taco bowl." And he says, "I love the Hispanics." On Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, like 
Like he, like <laughs> I mean, we laugh about that, but He's like, a troll. but the, right. but the, but the fact is that 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 worked. Like uh-huh. after that, no one was like cared about it. He completely changed it, and. You know, maybe he's the only one who can do that, but but what, but 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 when it comes to media, yeah, he is. There's a lot to learn if you're trying to be like he is. Basically, a shock jock president yeah. is what he is. I well, he's had he's had ten thousand hours at it. I mean, this has been his whole life. He used to call the post and represent himself as his media guy. I mean, he. He, I think he is the only one that can get away with it. I think you saw Roy Moore try it, but Roy Moore is fundamentally unlikable. Yeah, but the fact you that know, he also tried to have sex with a four, he did, or whatever, with a 14 or 17, whatever right. it was, that's, I mean, not even, I mean, Trump says some weird incestuous stuff, but weird. I don't think he's ever, I don't think he's ever been like, yeah, I'd do a 14-year-old. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. Now you just did. Cut that. No. Like, <laughs> like St- Stormy Daniels, like Stormy Daniels. Nobody's even flinching at this. It's it's fascinating to me where you have this porn star who's going to well, probably tomorrow release this 5,000-word story in In Touch magazine where she describes her 2006 tryst with the president and gives graphic details about his junk and you know that but he why basically would that, why would that work if the video of him saying to that woman uh, the interview, like when you're me, you can do whatever you want with girls. You can grab them, but like, why? If that didn't work, that's that's what a lot of people on the left and in the media don't get. This kind of stuff was priced into the bo- to the purchase of Donald Trump when we elected him president right. <laughs> like, as a nation. Like everybody knows he's a grotesque figure morally. Like there's nothing about Donald Trump that I look and I go, this is a man that I want to emulate. You know, I mean, even his his children, yes, they're great, but they're also there, there's a weird relationship there, and from all accounts, it's very transactional. You know, and he tells Stormy Daniels, "You're you're perfect like my daughter," you know, or some something along those lines. Weird and pervy, like he's he's just a he's a grotesque figure, and I think people are having a hard time distinguishing between Trump and the Trump administration. And I think you can look at what is coming out of the Trump administration and each policy individually and go, like this, don't like this, mm-hmm. this needs work, like this, don't like this, and while still not liking the man. Like, there's nothing about Donald Trump that I like. I laugh at him because I no longer take him seriously. He's, he, like, he's broken the most maorium. Like, in the beginning <clears throat> of the Trump stuff, that's what was outrageous to me is the threat to the breaking of the norms. But we're we're here now. Like, you can't go back. You can't put this genie back in the bottle. Like, the... Uh, and, and what, of his, what of his policies that he's passed that make you dislike him so much as a president? I think his foreign policy is exactly like Jeff Bush. Jeff Sessions and, alone okay. is enough. And wasn't Bush yeah. just like Obama's? It's exactly so right. Like, but so, so the status so, quo, let's, let's look at things he's done differently. Well, I think I'm a libertarian. What things has he done differently th- that from the last president that you dislike that are, are changes from the status quo? Jeff Sessions. I, I dislike. I Jeff dislike Sessions. the status quo. I expected Donald Trump not to be status quo, so I'm a libertarian. He's not. If he's I not status if I were, quo. there's per- lots of things that he's done and changed. That's what I'm trying I'd to say get at. And there's not one of them that you can name that you don't like. The, the regu- I'm saying if I were if I were pro status quo, I would be a full Tommy Lauren and just say whatever dumb shit will get me will get me hits. His As Donald Trump's to- arguably the most libertarian president we've ever had. No, I disagree. Not ever had, yes. but in the because, modern because, era, because, yes. because yeah. because okay. of his because. Because of his actual actions are actually so, not as is not as wide and and you know he says a lot of stuff but like 
you know, Jeff Sessions is a bad, bad, abysmal, uh, bad. So those tax cuts were no big deal. The tax, were ref- the small. tax reform, but that's not him. That's what that was. It wasn't that's him. been. That's he been didn't the, do it through the right channels. That's been. Congress. That's been Republican Congress has been wanting to do that since at least Reagan. Right. Um. So and, they, and so they finally did it, and and I love it. I mean, tax cuts, all for that. Uh, the regulation thing was good. I I really a big fan of that. What about the judge justices? That that's that's good too. For the most part, I mean, but some of the justices when you say, when you say, are all these not things that we like. Yes, yes, but, you're, but you you're, despise uh, the man. You see him if, as evil. Now listen, Galt. If you <laughs> I'm give just, us, I'm if, lost if here. You, I don't. I, if you give us a, ch- a chance, because it's not, we're going it, to agree with you let, if you just shut up. Let's also not forget <laughs> that the things that he hasn't succeeded yet on that he wants to succeed are also really, and I and I really can't. And, and you know, I can't reiterate enough how bad Jeff Sessions is. But like anything that involves him in immigration, whenever he actually makes progress on immigration, as a that's going to be a nightmare. Like yeah. that's going to be a, from a libertarian perspective and just a humanitarian perspective, it's going to be the worst yeah. thing. I thought infrastructure would be bad too, but how are we paying for it? What? By the most libertarian way of funding Monopolies. infrastructure in ever. All right, explain. cutting aid to Pakistan. We're funding our infrastructure by cutting foreign aid. Okay, and then that's and then like handing the most out, libertarian answer you could have, but, to paying for our roads. Yes, but then he's handing the contracts to monopolistic, quote unquote, free market. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of what Trump, quote you unquote, want it to be a lottery. But I, hold on, we've also what? only had a year. We've always done so. that, though. We've always picked who does our contracts, right? But Trump is government's still a company. Trump's policies are traditional Republican policies because. Jared Kushner is working with Paul Ryan, is working with John Kelly, is working with Mitch McConnell to get stuff done. And so a lot of what you're going to like about the Trump administration is what we would like if any other Republican had been president. And also, I'm not the first president I've seen work with Rand Paul. I agree with that. I'm not I'm not going to lie. But he's still going to sign Section 702 being reauthorized without Rand Paul even getting as much of a single change in it. So he, while he takes him quote unquote seriously, he doesn't do shit for him. So and I and I, I don't feel like it's uh, off base to say that much of much of my dislike for Donald Trump comes from the people who are his avid supporters. I I know those kinds of people and I don't like them. Yeah, like they're bad people. No, they're not. Yes, they they're are. I have talked. I have talked to a person. Like a, a an actual alt for someone who just an actual alt writer just talked alt- all about individualism. Let you're going to stand there and then generalize all Trump supporters as hate that you hate. No, them. I don't think no, he said not all. all Trump supporters. I, I'm talking about specifically his most fervent supporters, the alt right style people. I have talked with them, the debated with them. They're not good people. They're deplorable to you. Yes, yes. they're not good people. <laughs> they are straight up racist. I think I, I think that if you like Trump. There's a difference between base not racist. The, okay, I'm not saying he couldn't. That. He could not win. I will not. The pre, he could not. He could not have without won without racism. He couldn't listen. <laughs> if you you want to let me finish my statement, he would not have been able to win the presidency with more than just one faction of people in this country. It's not possible. If you're going to be president, you have to have more than one group of people Thanks vote for, the for most you. Obvious statement this, of the year, okay. Thank my you. point is Thanks is that my point is one. is that I'm not generalizing about the entire country I'm generali- or his entire base I'm generalizing about the specific ones and everyone knows the, the types of people that I'm referring the people to people that didn't Not, the make one, a change in the, the election the 18% of the electorate 18% of the electorate the eight, is racist 
Yes. Have you talked with somebody it, who is like an actual alt right person in like a one to one conversation yeah, about there their aren't ideas? Very many of them. No, that's that's not true. They're not eighteen percent of our country. I will right racist. I will sorry. give you the password to my Facebook, and you can have a conversation with several of these people. There, it, there are people out there, and I talked about this last time. The people that drive me nuts that would have more, they would have more credibility if at least one time they went, I don't like that, or that was a bad bad misstep by Donald Trump. But the MAGA people who just every single thing that Donald Trump does is great and if you don't like it you're a snowflake those are the people that he's talking about those are the people that are obnoxious and they're just as bad as the people who are sitting there crying tears of rage because they're wearing their she persisted t-shirt is that 17 percent too absolutely i think there's absolutely so 40 percent almost half of our country of the electorate are racists of the electorate Uh, right if you if you self-identify as an alt-right person, or if I label, if I read off a bunch of alt-right positions that weren't like, used, that didn't use strong shock words, but they were like, if somebody was trying to promote themselves to somebody and they were alt-right, what words would they use? If I if I read that off to a person, if you support, if you're an alt-right person or you support those kinds of positions, then I have no problem calling you to ra- a racist. And those people voted for Trump. They Do didn't vote for Clinton, and they did not vote. What does they that voted have for to Trump. Do with Trump? I, those types of he people didn't call out those yeah, people. But that's not my point. Those types of people make me not like the man. That's I you can call that a logical fallacy, but that is a that is a reason He's an I don't individual. like him. You can't okay. judge him based off the actions and beliefs. You can of totally others. judge a person by the friends they keep. Those are not his friends. No, oh, whatever. Because they voted for him. That's all politics is. Is that, who is yeah, who, what politics groups are you is in? getting groups of people that aren't your friends to vote for you. No, that's con- and make that, them that, believe that no. you're your friends. Re- being, <laughs> running for president is getting the spe- is getting groups who I to in, in America at and least he did it. is getting groups various groups of people who He's kind of winner. agree with you to vote for you. He's a winner. Are you tired of winning yet, Galt? I'm, I mean, I know what you're doing now. <laughs> This is why people love. I just think it's. I just think that's a bit ridiculous. I I don't at all. Wow. I I, I agree with him. Yeah, I I don't. Do. I don't. I know. I mean, when when push comes to shove, everybody's defined by their own actions as individuals. But I can totally say that this if is, you have specific ideas, you may be an alt right person, and maybe you're also a, an honorable father who takes their kids to soccer practice and, might be, and all that kind of stuff. You, you might know? be an And those, those honorable traits that, that everyone has, that's fine. But I don't have to like you because of that because you also don't like black people and think that, that, that their sub-Saharan Africans are lesser human beings. Like, they literally biologically are worse. Like, these are the kinds of things that alt-right people believe. It's not, it's old-fashioned, old-timey 1800s racism. It's not 1950s, you shouldn't sit at the lunch counter racism. It's old school stuff that they support and you know i that 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 is enough that is enough for me to say to you i don't care about all your other positive traits that trait by itself is enough that i don't like 17 percent of the electorate do not believe that i would agree that it's not 17 percent, but it's definitely not one percent let's 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 split it at nine what (laughs) You don't. You. I mean, I don't know the Galt, numbers. Were you on the? Then he did. Were you on the internet? Did you not see how many people said, "Yeah, Haiti is a shithole because it's run by black people"? Like I saw that. Like that. Exists and I see out just there. as many people on the other side doing it too. I, I agree with you. 
There, two, and there are just as many people that are making logical arguments and having real debates. Two two things can be true at the same time. I'm not saying all Republicans are like this, and I'm not saying that all You're the people who voted for Trump for this. You're saying a man because of what 1% of his base voted for. And he's saying that's, they're all racist. that's ridiculous. He's I, that's saying what I'm saying. I know he's saying it's ridiculous too, but it's how he feels. I don't like Trump because a large portion of the people who voted for him are those types of people. It's not a minuscule percentage. I know a it's lot. Not, of it's not. It's not a trivial. It's not a trivial. Per- that's fine. But <laughs> the fact that those people did it all, and that's that to me, that's a problem. I I am getting tired of him just because I'm getting tired of it all. And I, yeah, and I also am just sick of. <laughs> sound I'm like just, the people that had a problem for people voting for Obama because he was black. That's the that's what you sound like to me. I. That's I I don't you don't like Obama because you don't like that he was elected because he was black. Yeah, that's I because he brought out a whole group of people. I don't know if that was a substantial voted for him because of the color of his skin. I don't the only reason they voted. No, 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 not because of anything he believed. in. No, 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 not because they because they believe that their race was dominant and should rule the country. That may be fine. But I don't I think that you're overrepresenting the number of people who didn't like Obama (laughs) specifically because you're not representing the number of racist bigots in the country. No. (laughs) Okay. All right, which is vote, a posi- that which, that which that is vote. a position I've changed on. Them I, are felons. Which is a position <laughs> I've changed on. I think what one thing that is that is definitely um, worth mentioning is that I used to be the kind of person who's like racist. Actual racists were like a very under, very small portion of this country, and in general, people weren't. Um, and I still, in general, people still aren't. But but I think that the, the I have been convinced that the numbers are a lot higher than I had previously thought. I think one thing that Trump has done is allowed people who kept that stuff under their tongue to just open their mouths. Yeah, and and that's something you could say. Well, that's a good thing. And I and I do think from a perspective of having it out there, it is a good thing. I like the fact that people aren't just keeping it on. You know, they're wearing their hearts on their sleeves now. I I agree. I mean, I had a lot of friends. Uh, I, there's. A lot of these libertarian brutalist groups that I was in, where you Chris Cantwell, the one percent. By the way, right. libertarian can, brutalist groups are one percent. Alt right groups are one percent. Can I? Finish? You're just throwing out a number. <laughs> I want just nothing. <laughs> so, anyways, my point. They don't decide elections. I'm about to agree with you if you don't. I, if you don't shut up, if you sh- keep talking, I'm not going to agree with you. I'm going to fight with you. <laughs> I'm about to agree with you and make your point. Um, you you. You had a lot of these guys in these libertarian brutalism groups where it's my free speech, it's my right to say that Jews run, like, make Jew jokes and anti Semitic jokes, and I'm just kidding. And if you don't like the fact that I'm making a joke, you're a snowflake. A year later, those people were like, listen, everybody knows it. The Jews rule the world, and we need to have a second Holocaust. Are you joking? No, yeah. <laughs> like, like it was there. It, it did a free them, but it, it's good I mean, because then you can see their true colors. Charlottesville happened, like, right? That that happened. That wasn't an insignificant event. But let's there go. There weren't thousands of people. There. But there also wasn't right. like tw- there. There also wasn't like three dudes within a clan. It pretty much with a was sign. three dudes. But there no, the wasn't thing. three dudes it, that organized it. Yes, maybe but, but you know, you, you know go, what? Three people can organize. We thousands of people came to see Gary. Yeah, but three, I, three people did that. You're gonna three people. Are you gonna sit there? We had a bigger rally listen, for Gary listen, Johnson, listen. who got one percent. Listen, are you than the, than listen, the white nationalists? Listen, did. are you gonna sit at there the and prime tell me that in, in history, their biggest prime in all of his? You know how he is. Are you gonna sit there and right. tell me that well, the people on, who went to Charlottesville and held up torches only went because someone asked them to, not because they actually what? agreed with the sentiment? 
I do totally agree with Galt that we are we in the middle are caught between what seems like a very small percentage of the left and the right, but, but the, that are they're just it, really it's really also noisy. worth mentioning in politics extremes make a bit have a big impact. Yeah. If, that, if it wasn't true, then gay people would have absolutely no progress in this country on anything. Right? Extremes matter a lot more than they do in real life because not everybody goes out and votes. Not everybody goes and not even everybody's registered to vote. So the extremes make a big difference. So. So in politics, while in the general population, the amount of racists that are like the alt-right style racists may be small in the general population, but politically they are have a significant effect because they show up. On the, on the way to Thanksgiving, my dad said, uh, yeah, I was going to get a, a, a Confederate flag. I go, oh, cool. what? <laughs> my, dad has, my dad has never been, he's not a racist. He's not somebody that is... Uh, he probably knows nothing about the Civil War. <laughs> like, we have no connection to the South. It's just that he sees the way that this small minority is being treated, and he reacts. And then his his girlfriend is like, well, I'm getting a gay flag, and we have to hang it next to it, a rainbow flag. And so she's reacting to that extreme, and then that's that's what he's talking about, is that you just get these people, everybody who just gets caught in the middle, and it's just like this terrible place to be. But I don't know that... You know, Donald like it was happening when Obama was president, and he's a pretty mellow dude. Yeah. And then you have Trump. I mean, if you have Elizabeth Warren, it's just going to be the other way. It's never. It's not really going to stop. I mean, this identity politics is here to stay. I think. But I think if you go back to the question of is Trump a libertarian president, I would have to say fundamentally Donald Trump is not a libertarian. I don't think that Donald Trump is a conservative. I don't think that Donald Trump is anything. I think that Donald Trump is somebody who is I – th- I think this quality that has kind of shown up in the last couple of weeks and was outlined in the Michael Wolff book that the last person that talked to him is what he believes. And I've met people <laughs> like that. He might be. You know, where literally like in this immigration debate, it was Lindsey Graham and Dick Durbin had a deal cut with him. And then Tom Cotton got a hold of him, and then he believed what Tom Cotton said, and then Dick Dur- like he literally mm-hmm. is kind of like ping pong ball. And I think that's the scary proposition if you're if you are a Trump supporter, if the House and the Senate over the next few years swing the other way, mm-hmm. and he starts cutting deals. I don't think you're going to see a libertarian president, and that's what I've always maintained. Is yes, you can celebrate now mm-hmm. that you have a libertarian leaning presidency in a lot of ways. In terms of economics and regulation and courts. Because we do. We do. But what happens when the Senate is controlled by Democrats and he wants to get his nominees passed, he's going to start putting moderates on. Which is why we wanted to elect Ron or Rand, because they have principles. They have principles. And that's 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 the difference. Because yeah, you can still right. have libertarian policies that Trump's passed. I said most libertarian because we've never had a libertarian president. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it is... If you're saying, is he a better choice than Hillary Clinton, yeah, because Hillary Clinton, like, that's the problem with Democrats. He's a better choice than a very long list of former presidents. Yeah, if you're talking about Hillary Clinton, who is a big government socialist, wants to invade other countries, uh, is socially left, there's nothing that I agree with her on. But, like, at least Donald Trump can have people who are on the right persuade him of a certain way of thinking and you can get two regulations cut for everyone passed and you can get Gorsuch who was 
you know, writing for Cato at one point, the Cato Institute. You can get some of these little libertarian wins, but does that mean that you're going to have a full libertarian presidency? Not at all, because no. you have you have someone who at their core is incompetent, does not have the ability to understand what the job entails, and is highly persuadable. For as all the talk of him being a great deal maker, he's not. He's kind of like the 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 ping pong ball in the room if you read the reports of this immigration debate that's going on right now like he's not a decision maker he's he because he doesn't understand the facts because he doesn't have an ideology and because he's inexperienced he doesn't he doesn't understand the mechanics of politics right. he understands the mechanics of business he he has to rely on people that he trusts and those people are taking advantage of him and as a result us and that's why why he should have never been president in the first place, because he's he is highly persuadable because he doesn't understand what a clean bill is. Like you listen to that, he doesn't understand how any of this process works. He's just being told what to do by like Mike Pence, and Mike Pence we all know from living in Indiana is eminently incompetent. <laughs> like a President Pence will be, uh, you'll pine for George Bush. You know what? If it turns out that any of these Democrat attacks stick and he gets impeached, I just want everybody to remember. I just want everybody to remember that a couple of years ago I said in the 2016 election, Mike Pence was the dark horse. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not going to get impeached, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to read this news. <clears throat> uh, so the, apparently there's a memo going around in Congress right now that this- okay. it's classified, so it's not released yet. But. The facts contained are draw-dropping. Now, where are you reading this from? This What's the a, source? Oh, uh, well, this is from uh, Matt Gates, Republican of the House. Okay. This is from his congressional website, United States Congressman. Okay. Is this the, representing uh, the, the first district laundering? of Florida. Okay. No. Um, Formerly represented by Joe Scarborough. What'd you say, Creighton? There's a money laundering thing going around that I saw before I got at the gym. Yeah, yeah. The It, it, it involves... There's a couple different situations like a lot of people think that trump didn't release his tax returns because he has had investment from russian banks like trump in terms of businessmen is kind of on the trashy side like surprise surprise and those guys will a lot of times take russian investment to buy properties and then they will launder the money through the real estate investment and that's why new york real estate so high and one of the things that they're looking at is did the NRA take Russian money in in some various form and then donate that to the Trump campaign. So that's where that comes from. But now he's saying this Republican congressman is saying what? Gold. Yeah, that there's a four-page memo circulating Congress right now that shows the government, the FBI and the Department of Justice's surveillance abuses and it's it's quote shocking, troubling and disturbing. They're saying he's saying uh, part of him wishes he didn't read it, and then there's no higher priority than to release this to preserve our democracy. E. Which hyperbole from a congressman is like getting shit from a horse. So, but still, no. I mean, that wouldn't. I mean, it'd be shocking if it wasn't shocking. It's kind of like when Massey said, though, this the 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 world will never uh, recover from the redacted pages of the 9/11 report, and then it just told us what we already knew. Nobody really cared that Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11. Like, mm-hmm. So 
So they're saying this is going to make they're going to drop the Mueller investigation. It's going to blow it wide open. It, it's all over. Even if it's true or not, the Republicans will use that as leverage. Like yeah, Trump's Trump's clean. But see, here's part of the this well, goes as back clean to as you can be. This is what <laughs> goes back to Trump not being prepared for the job, where he tweets in that in an afternoon, you know this. FISA reauthorization bill is lousy because that's what they use to spy on me. And then two hours later is saying, get smart, we need to sign this bill and get 702 passed. And it's uh, it's laughable because you can't... He, he's saying two things. He clearly doesn't understand the process. And FISA 702 was passed by the House and the Senate. And essentially what Section 702 of the FISA bill is, it was passed in 2008 and essentially, it isn't the part that collects all the data. It isn't the part that authorizes all the data collection. It, it creates a system for uh, checking various databases to access all the data that's collected. So the government claims that they only collect metadata. Metadata that's absolutely false. They collect, especially overseas, every type of content, and they put it into you know, NSA databases where uh, the various agencies, the 17 intelligence agencies access this data. And what 702 does, it's it's sunsetted for six years now, according to the bill that Trump will inevitably sign. And it's sunset as part of the check and balance. And the intelligence community has said, this is 25% of everything we know about terrorists. It's the crown jewel of how we track terrorist movement. Yes, we understand that American data sometimes gets caught in these searches, uh, but we, we we do what we can. <laughs> and so here, here's the philosophical question. Do you think that the government should be collecting all of the information or not? And then how do you want them to operate with that information? Uh, in, in all my research, I can tell you that uh, they seem to have a fairly – stringent process of checking the data. So, for instance, uh, someone shoots up a Turkish nightclub. This is an example that they that was given on the Lawfare podcast, one of the FBI agents talking about it. This guy shoots up uh, a nightclub. We get his identity. We go in. We do an about search. We put in his name. We then find a wealth of information based on all of the data that is collected through all of the collection that we do. And then we can start tracking different hops, different connections. So, you know, they find his email and they read through his email and then they go to his cell phone and they go to through videos and they find various uh, connections. How, why did he make this decision? And when you do these uh, about searches, you inevitably find Americans because let's say we're doing show prep for Section 702 and Chris Galt is in London, and you know, or Glenn Greenwald, who's in Brazil, and I are are communicating about Section 702, and I'm getting information from him for my podcast. And Galt is on the email in London because they're overseas; they have the the legal authority to collect all of that data. And even though we are American citizens, and I'm an American citizen, they if they're targeting Glenn Greenwald and watching him, then my data is caught up. They don't need a warrant to read that email, which libertarians fundamentally believe is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. 
you must get a warrant before you search the data of any American citizen. Section 702 says that uh, they don't need a warrant, and the government argues that it's a reasonable search. We don't just go through people's data looking for crimes, which by all accounts and all the research I did is true. But we're taking their word. But they have to provide no evidence of. Well, so it all goes through a secret court. No, so here's how. So let's say we have a terrorist suspect. Okay, we're the we're f. You're an FBI agent. You're in the CIA, and I'm in the NSA. And we have uh, uh, one of the Sarnayev brothers. Mm -hmm. They were turned down for the Sarnayev brothers because they were American citizens, or they were Americans under whatever the laws that they've crafted in these courts. So, like, they couldn't go and look at all the searches that the Sarnayev brothers were Googling because they were in America. But when they were overseas in Russia, then they could there, okay? So you and I have a terrorist suspect. What you have to do is you have to write up a report, which Michael Hayden, um, and I've, I've posted all these videos and a bunch of different links and stuff at WALpolitics.com. There was a great debate between one of the Snowden journalists from the Washington Post and Michael Hayden. It's about two hours long where they're basically going back and forth about this program. Really interesting. And so Michael Hayden says, what you have to give to the FISA court is about the size of the Cincinnati phone book. And it has to be extremely detailed why you're getting this information, what you're going to use it for, why are they being targeted. And it goes to a FISA judge who's appointed by the chief justice. These FISA courts are across the nation. And yes, it's all secret. So they say if it were public, then you know ISIS could watch who was getting searched or not. So we need we need privacy in these searches. And the judge they they almost never reject any of these because one of the criticisms is they're never rejected. Well, Hayden says it's more of a working process, and so if they aren't going to approve it, they'd say here's what you need to change, which. Good or bad, that's the process. I mean, you can look at that and go, well, the check and balance is the secret judge, and they're acting as a buddy-buddy a, a buddy, buddy friend mm-hmm. when the very criticism of these FISA courts is that there is no check or balance. There isn't anybody saying, no, you can't do this. And so one of the thoughts is that Michael, uh, uh, the, the NSA director that lied to the FBI that, that got fired, Michael Flynn, mm-hmm. He was working with Turks and consulting with them. He was working with Russians. He was being targeted through some of these programs to see what he was doing, even though he was an American citizen. Um, He was working with foreign governments, and they were claiming to monitor the other side of the call and the Kislyak calls. Mm -hmm. And then that information was used for political purposes, which all of this is what libertarians have been saying we were saying in 2012. You 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 say now this is only used for Muslims in Yemen, but what happens twenty years down the road when we're using it for political purposes, and that's that's where we're already getting, you know, four years, yep. uh, eight years down the been, road. We just haven't known about it. We yet. haven't and known we're about now it. Now learning about it. It's the fundamental right. the, the fundamental libertarian <laughs> that everybody always gives us crap for 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 using this odds, but it's the it's it's the danger of power. Right. It's like you know, this is a power. Well, we're using it. We're using it well. Like it's not always going to be used well, right? And once you've made it's, you know, the free speech argument. Like you, you censor one speech that you don't like. You've 
given free reign to censor any kind of speech. You know, if you give the government a power to do this, even though they may be doing it well now in its infancy or whatever, you know, it, it's only a matter of time. It really is only a matter of time before it gets abused. Yeah. It, it's, it, it will happen. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do to stop it from happening except getting rid of the power. And Admiral Rogers, who is head of the NSA's Section 702 program, was speaking at the Heritage Foundation, and he's like, listen, we take we tell on ourselves. Whenever we make a mistake, we tell you know, oversight committees, we tell judges, we tell we have this whole process of when we do something wrong. It's like, okay, well, you seem trustworthy. You seem like a trustworthy guy, and you seem honorable, but so do Michael Flynn. And it turns out he's a total liar. He's a total dirtbag, you know. And just because you have the, just because you make transparency a priority, and and what they all argue from the FBI to the CIA to the NSA is that transparency is a priority because this is such a, uh, an, uh, like I said, they've said this is the crown jewel. This is where they get the most of their information. This is the thing that is keeping America. This is the thing that has kept America from getting attacked again, is what they say. And so they don't want to jeopardize the tool. So the incentive of transparency with within the regime that they've set up of checks and balances, they follow to the T because they don't want to jeopardize the tool because they know they're under such scrutiny that they could have it canceled at any moment, which I find to be a, value, a valid argument. But still, there isn't there isn't. Uh, Where's the authority? The Where does the authority come from for this? The authority was just written by the Bush administration and and put it was started under the Patriot Act and then ah, the, yeah. so so they were have they were co- they started collecting all of this information the Patriot Act which was yeah, partially written by Vice <laughs> President Pence. Uh, so the Patriot Act outlined all this. Do we? We? When do we get to say we told you so? Right about now. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so they had they started collecting all the metadata under Prism and all mm-hmm. the stuff that Snowden exposed, and they were having a tough time actually going through the data because now they have uh, the haystack gets too big, and so right. it was Plantier. I think it's Plantier Technologies, which is owned by. Peter Thiel, started by Peter Thiel, mm-hmm. great libertarian hope that he is, found, co-founder of PayPal, investor in Lyft, advisor to Trump, uh, gawker killer. <laughs> uh, you know, he started this company with uh, an investment from Incutel, which is the seed company from the CIA. And so Plantier Technologies basically went through and created the ability to go and search all of this metadata. So you have people who are hackers uh, who work in Silicon Valley who are 24 who have access to all this who data. have access to literally all this data and so there's in a, my eyes illegal data and <laughs> yeah I mean they're literally every email this podcast is on an NSA CIA US th- thing Creighton essentially fears have come true his name's on a list <laughs> so he tried so hard they have offshore of Britain Europe basically said, uh, hey, are you going through all our stuff? And we were like, nah. And then it came out that we were like spying on Merkel and all of her email. And so uh, a, a collaboration was set up, and we have this big NSA thing off the off of England that basically collects everything over on that side of the Atlantic. So it's, it's really robust. But Trump was against it before he was for it. Now he's going to sign it. And 
Have you seen Trump versus Trump? On no, no it's, but it's just him it's, contradicting himself yeah, over and over again. It's like Ben Shapiro. <laughs> ben Shapiro every day has good Trump. Because when you Trump. don't have principles, that's what you do. You make decisions on a whim for right. for gain, for economic gain or political gain or something. Right. As long as you're getting something out of it, that it can change your your, your vibe. You're I think never, an important thing to, set to point out about this this issue um, is that this does split, or this does not split on party lines. Like it. it there are groups within both parties that support it and are against it. And I think if anyone if, if anyone is trying to say, here's another reason that Trump's bad is because he supports this. Like, you know, here's another reason Republicans are bad is because they support this. It's like that, that's, that's this, on this issue in particular, that's an unfair critique. Um, I mean, you don't have to go any further than Ron Wyden and Rand Paul and, and the other senators. I think it was three Democrats, two Republicans that uh, put forth the amendment that did not pass that would have required a warrant uh-huh. to get all of this information. And then Justin Amash had the same. And I don't know who else co-sponsored in the House. Which their argument is that it will take too long. Like you're talking about maybe less than 24 hours. It's like, well, it's life and death. Well, we don't know that for sure because you're not giving us proof that that's the case. Right, and and these these are these amendments were pushed by. Uh, I would argue that the Amash amendment was probably his baby, and because mm-hmm. the last time that they tried this, he also put forth an amendment to make there be a warrant, and it only failed by like what ten votes or mm-hmm. something like that, really close. Um, and the, these, uh, so on that on, on in the House, I would say that the Republican, a Republican, is the strongest voice. For uh, for getting that amendment passed in the Senate, it's probably more more even. But the point it might, the point I'm trying to make is that the leadership of both parties um, are the ones that got this pushed through without the amendment. Um, Nancy Pelosi, in particular, made it a point to to make sure that the enough Democrat votes were whipped to make the amendment fail. Um, so. On this issue, it's important to take to take a perspective that cannot be partisan because it is not partisan. Um, it is it is an authoritarian versus anti-authoritarian uh, split, and and I think it's important when you're judging this issue, you have to you have to bear that in mind. And you know, for our listeners, that's probably not a problem. Like we judge everything, you know, whether and we don't care what party you're part of, we just kind of look at where you're right following the issue. But uh, that's not true in general, especially not nowadays with with the general population. It is interesting to see people who who like Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi who think he's literal Hitler. Donald Trump is literal Hitler, but we should give him the ability to spy on Americans without a warrant. Like, if you really believe that, wouldn't you not vote for this? Wouldn't you do everything you possibly can to stall the tyrant? the the dictator Trump from having these powers. Like so either you don't believe what you're saying and that he's a he's a literal dictator or and you're just being hyperbolic or you want the powers yourself, which those are two troubling instincts. Yeah, and, and th- that argument you would hope that argument would work, but if it didn't work when we were talking about eh, that may not be fair, but if it didn't work when uh we're talking about Obama getting certain authorities. Yeah. No, we made the same argument. We the did. Same we did. One. We yeah. made the same yeah. argument, and then you know it got brushed off. And now, like, well, if it didn't work then, why would it work now? It's like, oh, you know, you don't. And, and it's and it's. I I want to say vindicating um, that at least in the past year, how many times on Reddit, but just in general, I've seen 
you know, these are look at look at Trump doing this and this and like, you know, that's something that Obama did. Yeah. Like, you know, we warn you, you yeah, know, yeah. you're gonna get a president you don't like, he's gonna have these same powers. <laughs> and you know, it's just, it does it, people because again, people don't think long term about this stuff. They think about the immediate effects, and that's it. It stops there. They don't look Man. at ripples. Just title this episode. I told you so. I can't wait for <laughs> f- for five years from now when we are uh, again uh, again together. Yeah, and we're talking talking about the president, the Rock. Uh, and we'll uh, be making the same mistakes, and we'll be saying the same <laughs> things five years from now, and then uh, Malia Obama. After that, five years down that road. Right. <laughs> so, hey, right. Gates uh, uh, Gates said that uh, the Trump investigation is a shame. It's a sham, is After it? After reading that memo. Um, Christy Avery wants us to end the show, so we're going to give her her wish. We're going to start wrapping up. So we've got wrap Why? up, so we've got another hour then. Craig wrap, talk too much. I'm bored, Christy. She's falling asleep. See, Galt, see, this is what. All right, I want to have Galt on more often because Galt is radio gold because he's just combative and creates drama wherever he goes. But I also have to think about the other co-hosts. Yeah, you got to think about your show. Don't worry about the co-hosts; they'll make it back. I'll stay here all night. The show loves yeah, I, the I drama. Don't, I don't, well, I don't have anything to do tomorrow. You guys are you, you're going uh, east. Mm-hmm. So you guys want to come back next Thursday? Yeah. Are you available? Uh, as of right now, I am. Yeah. All right. Well, if you find anything better to do, <laughs> no, I won't. I, I, I it's still, like, I, I'm I, still swiping right on Tinder. And no, I, I fin- <laughs> I'm finishing up working my part-time job to make sure I can pay the last round of bills before I leave. So yeah, because I, I don't Discord. have that schedule yet for Thursday, but probably will be free. Life is about to get real busy, real expensive. Yeah. Mm. You, you want to talk about what you're doing? I just I'm going to work for uh, a software engineer in New York City. Ah, very good, New York City. Yeah, where where are you going to live? Do you know? Uh, it's working on it right now. Uh, so, but in Manhattan, more than likely. Did you ever think you'd live in a place more expensive than Alexandria, Virginia? No. This is way more expensive than Alexandria, Virginia. So we're excited to have a New York City correspondent. Yeah. Uh, it's nice. We said that we said that for the DC when I went out to DC, and then I only had like one episode when you, I was yeah. out there. <laughs> well, we skyped you in, but you're you a you were still like you weren't immature. You just didn't care. Like you still don't he still care. Doesn't care. But at least you're like more grown up, so like you pretend better yeah. that you don't care. Uh, he never really cared. All the world's a stage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's start. Let's start wrapping up. Final thoughts, Chris Gold. Uh, I don't know. I'll, we'll do this again next week. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, send we do. Some, so yeah, send some stuff in that wait, you want us I to do, grade to talk about. We do have an important topic that we need week. to talk about. Chris what? Spangle has watched all of the Star Wars. What did you think? Oh. That's right. I have now consumed all, all of them. All of the Did Star you see Wars. The Last Jedi as well? No, oh, not yet. Dude, God. So wh- I watched Rogue One because I saw it on Netflix, and I was like, you know what? I, I, had, I, had, seen the, I had seen two of the first three as a kid, I think. I remember seeing the th- the first and the third. You so, have to remember pod racing. So so yeah. So I saw you mean first and third as in episode one and three. I or saw episode four. No, and I seven, saw a New six. Hope and Return of the Jedi oh, because yeah. I remember four and six. Then yeah. I remember the little okay. Wookies, the little uh, Ewoks, the Ewoks, Wookies. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember Empire Strikes Back at all. That was all very new to me. So I had a vague recollection of the third one. So I really had never watched any of them. 
So I started at Phantom. He's over 30, by the way. So I watched Phantom Menace, or I watched Rogue One on Netflix. I was like, yeah, I'll try it out. This is probably about a month ago. And I, I, uh, I'm going to have to watch it again now that I know what's going on because it, it didn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, I told you, you can't start I with episode you one. Right. You have to start now, at four. <laughs> and you ranked it already. Uh, so And I, I combated you about that movie. And it's because you haven't rewatched it since. It, it was good. You need to watch it again. Here's what I liked about Rogue One is that it was exciting and kept my attention. Like there was fighting in it, so it, it was good. But you didn't get the story. I got most it of the story. Two trilogies you'd never seen. Having been a libertarian <laughs> for over ten years now, I know enough of the Star Wars mythology <laughs> to like get the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, the little Wookies. The little Wookies, and so. Then I started with Phantom Menace because it was on uh, Hulu, and so I watched uh, the first. I started at Phantom Menace, and that was mm, that was an abortion. <laughs> it's not. That was not good. Yeah, that it's, was. It's not, and it's it's sad because there's so much potential. But it's one of those ones. I've if there's actually documentaries about uh, the, the making of that movie and. Um, how when George Lucas watched the final cut, like after they've got it together, he sat down and he watched it. And at the end, he's like, "Wow." Did some stuff there that uh, I don't know how that's going to play. Like, it was like he, even he was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> it was one of those things. Like you get to a certain point, you're like, "This is going to work. This is going to work." And then you get it all shot. You get it together. You're like, uh, "Well, you can't go back now yeah, and do yeah. it." <laughs> well, here's the, the the prequels all look like they were shot on Star Trek Voyager. Like they all just had that like nineties to be fake fair, look. Episode three is amazing. It uh, okay, Revenge of the Sith is amazing. It's a really good yes. movie, and and so I I didn't like Phantom Menace, but it it didn't really hold my attention. Uh, Attack of the Clones was good. There was some fighting in it. The storyline was okay. Uh, then the Revenge of the Sith I thought was really good because there was a lot of political drama in it, and so that got mm-hmm. me. That that's, got me that's, that's, on it. And to me, that's what holds. The, the the original the prequel trilogy from being total garbage right. is that there is this overarching political like you know Palpatine's rise in the shadows yes like that stuff I've I like that it happens in one it happens in two right and it obviously happens yeah. in three and it keeps me what what makes the first two really bad is the acting yes. and in times the dialogue like George Lucas is not the greatest at dialogue but Jar Jar Binks uh, awful Hayden Christensen hate these these guys they just weren't the greatest of actors and Jar Jar was just for kids and yeah. that that that's what really bring, bogs it down but like if you can get past that and look at it from a different look beyond that there is some stuff in there that's worth liking I, Liam Neeson I love Liam Neeson's he was great. character oh. I thought I thought the first three, the the prequels, were going to be way worse than they actually were. Yeah. So because I just heard so bad because I, oh it's all you yeah. know because I'd heard they're hard, not they're not as bad as no one hates Star Wars as much as Star Wars fans right <laughs> and I've heard I've heard nothing but trash about all these movies even the new ones you hear the right. everybody hates the new ones and, and so, they're not bad so I watched uh, I watched uh, a New Hope great Empire Strikes Back not bad I I think Return of the Jedi is my favorite. Uh, and Empire mm. Strikes Back was second, then A New Hope third. Mm. Uh, maybe th- it's a tight race on third and fourth between uh, the the newest, the first new one, where Han Awakens, where Han Solo dies. That's your favorite or your third favorite? F- uh, I'm gonna go four on that. No, 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 no. Okay, here we go. Revenge, Revenge of the Jedi. Revenge. Revenge, Revenge of, the of the Jedi. Revenge of the Sith. No, no, no. Or Return right. of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Okay. Empire Strikes Back. It's like pulling teeth. Revenge of the Sith. 
then uh, New Hope, and then uh, yeah, the what's the first one? A Force Awakens. The for, no, the, the Force <laughs> Awakens is is the seventh one, <laughs> right? And then we've got um, <laughs> then we've got uh, Attack of the Clones. Uh huh. Rogue One. Oh. Rogue One is. You prob- thought Rogue, Rogue One was worse. Rogue than One's Attack- better than Attack of the Clones. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fanta- I know my favorite was Return of the Jedi because it was there was a lot of action. There was like. I don't know the part where they're. I, I I guess I watched the supercut because I got it from the library, and they're all cheering because they all won. Oh, the '97 or even one. And like that, sense. that was. I, I'm sentimental. I'm like, yay, yeah. we might win they added over a happier ending. We might end over <laughs> globalists. Uh, but I re- but then I saw Hayden Christensen in him. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the, the fuck's going on here? Okay, that was the the DVD, the Blu-ray re-release. Yeah, that, that wasn't originally Hayden Christensen. That was the guy who the actor who played. Darth. Oh, okay. And they 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 superimposed Hayden Christensen. Well, afterwards. I knew that had to be the case because that's when I knew something <laughs> fishy was up because I didn't know it had been redone. It was until totally that. unnecessary too. Right. Like there's there's this debate about changes that George Lucas made that helped it, and then changes that hurt it. Right. And but that change it hurts it because it's completely unnecessary. It completely threw like, me why out. Why would the, why would like after thirty years? He still looked like Hayden Christensen. Right. <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. It completely he's not alive. Yeah, like <laughs> he's a freaking robot anyway. Like it was such a great moment and then it threw me out of it completely. Yeah, it was yeah. like yeah. it was just it was unnecessary. Like put in the, get the actor from Game of Thrones who's the the bald eunuch. Paris? Paris? Uh, oh. because he looks just like he looks just like uh Darth Vader when he dies. Oh wow. Um the worst was definitely Phantom Menace. Uh I haven't seen Last Jedi. It, Watch Rogue One again. That's I, probably I will, my yeah. top 3. I I it like was Rogue One. in my top 3. Not, I think Rogue One to a lot of people that I I've, I've interacted with is overrated. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. It's definitely better than you know, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I liked it much better than Force Awakens. It, but but it was I, a, I didn't like how... I, what, my problem with, with Rogue One was by the end of it, I didn't care about the characters like I should I, have. I can't tell you any one of the characters. Like, like I don't remember any of I them. Just, I mean, like, it's it's a forgettable it, that movie. Being said, that being said, the battles, the large-scale battle yes. scene in that is the best of any of them. Man, the I yes. shed tears on that beach scene. That but was a great beach scene. The, I oh, I cared. I didn't care about the main. Especially character. when Matt Damon. I'm sorry. Let me say I didn't care about the main. And Tom Hanks was taking care of him. Oh, okay. The main two <laughs> characters. I didn't care about the the leads. Right. I uh, I honestly cared more about uh, what's his face, the general that died. Like I cared more about him. Right. I thought he was awesome. Obviously, the Darth Vader scenes were fantastic, uh, and that was just there. I mean, that's just always going to be great. Um, but like honestly, what tore me up the most as far as characters dying was the 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 uh, Donnie Yen and his friend that were at the temple uh, of the uh, the Kyber Crystal Temple. Uh-huh. Like when they died on the beach, I was like, oh man, they're yeah. all. But like when what's her face or, or Jalen or Ursa or whatever when she dies, I didn't really care. About I, I don't. Her I death. don't remember any of the people you're talking about, and and so like to me that makes it a lower movie. It's just that I don't. Really, I kind of have a vague awareness of it, of the plot, but I I remember enjoying it and it keeping my attention. Like I'm so ADD that, and I'm always doing two other things. Like I'm watching TV while I'm on a device while I'm reading. You miss a lot of details. Always. And how many times have you watched Game of Thrones? 
Uh, I tried when it first came out, and there was too many characters, and week to week it was too hard. And so I went back and rewatched it uh, a year ago in in a binge form, and that was that's when I was like, "This is fantastic." You, it's a show for binging. Like if you're trying to keep up week to week, yeah, like forget that, it. That's it is it is definitely one of those. So, like. but yeah, like revenge. Revenge of the Sith and uh, Return of the Jedi were the only two where I put everything down. I was like, holy shit. And in uh, and the new one. with uh, Force Awakens? W- yeah, Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. should see Last Jedi. Uh, yes, I'm interested to see where, where you fall in it. I liked it. Yeah. To all Me of too. the to all of the the listeners, Star Wars fan listeners, I am pro Last Jedi. Yep. Um I thought I thought it was good. It's definitely, I think, one of those ones that in ten years or whatever, uh after all of the dust has settled and people kind of accept it as being a movie that's that's happened, it's gonna because like right now they're like they're oh, like this, this third no. trilogy doesn't count. Yeah, like it doesn't the, count. Like there's plenty of there are people out there. And Listen, uh, criticism. There was no third Matrix. There's many different. Th- there's a. I wish I could remember. It's like the seven hats or the six hats, and it's a business book, and it's like every team needs these hats, these seven hats, and there's a blue hat who's positivity, and the green hat who's innovation, and the white hat who's optimism, or like all these different hats. And then there's that white hat's not Creighton. And then there's the black hat who is always negative, always critical, and everybody wears the black hat because it's so critical. Like it's so easy to be critical, and so mm-hmm. like when I see people just constantly being negative about stuff, like something like Star Wars, I go, it's easy to constantly hate Star Wars or constantly hate anything that's new or constantly hate that's hate Donald Trump. It's like if you're always positive about Donald Trump and he never has done anything that you disagree with, then you're not an you're not a valid wor- you're not a valid person to listen to. Yeah, you're a racist. <laughs> right. If According you probably. And then if you like I love the original three, but everything else sucks. <laughs> it's like that's then you're just not to be listened to. Like right. nobody likes you. You're probably uh, a terrible person stop. To it. me to <laughs> me I'd say I, honestly, I say my top is a tie between New Hope and Empire. That's my I I am comfortable saying that that's a tie. Um, I honestly like Revenge of the Sith more than Return of the Jedi. Um, so that's probably my number three. Um, and then probably Force Awakens. I don't know Last Jedi. I don't know where that would be yet. But I liked Last Jedi though. I, I'm one of those guys. I think it's going to be considered one of the more important ones. When at, at at the end of the day, people are going to be like, "This is one of the most important Star Wars." And and honestly, and to all of those who are watching who have only seen Last Jedi once, go see it again and watch it without all of the with, with understanding the surprises that happen yeah. in the movie. Watch it again, and I think you'll like it more. I loved how instead, like all the previous Star Wars movies have always been light and dark was the theme, right? Right, Spangle? Right. It's like good and evil, right? Yeah, the, it's Joseph Campbell's uh, Man with a Thousand Faces. The new movie touches on neutrality, the, that neutral. Okay. And I, and I, li- I like that they dove into that the real deep the, yeah. on both sides, the neutral. Because that's and, where you start to build complexity in a story. Mm-hmm. So there's a book by uh, Christopher Booker called The Seven Basic Plots, where it's just basically the seven plots of all of history. Joseph Campbell and and uh, who's the, the Kermit guy? Uh, Jordan Peterson kind of talks about this a lot, too, the archetypes. You know, so story really can be distilled down to several parts. So you, you always have these basic formulas, 
And if you can break formula in a really creative way and kind of get into that gray area as opposed to, you know, Luke versus Darth, it's it's when Darth starts to get conflicted between Palpatine and Luke in Revenge and Return of the Jedi. That's what made it so great is because that complication to the basic storyline, that's when you go, ooh. Yeah. All right, there's something the redeem The redemption right. of the father through the son it, motif. Well, because everybody's, everybody has that within them. Everybody, it, people aren't inherently, like Donald Trump is not good or bad. Like there are parts of him that are good and parts of that, him that are bad and there are parts of him that just are nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and nobody has that, that ability to do critical thinking anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The the book is Six Thinking Hats. There's the white hat, neutral and objective, concerned with facts and figures. Red hat, the emotional view. Black hat, careful and cautious, the devil's advocate hat. Yellow hat, sunny and positive. Green hat, associated with fertile growth, creativity, and new ideas. Cool, b- blue hat, cool, the color of the sky above everything else. I'll take else. the green hat. Uh, I have some great new ideas about some show ideas. All right. Ooh, you guys don't um, want to hear it. Have, I do. Do you, do you watch uh, Rick and Morty? Uh, I've started the first one um, months ago. I think you'd like episode? if you if yeah. you like Joseph Campbell, uh-huh. you'd like that show because Dan, okay. Community because Dan Harmon, the guy who uh, yeah. one of the writers, yeah. he uh, he has he calls it the store the the story circle where he has basically just he's basically put the Joseph Campbell monomyth kind of idea mm-hmm. into a nice clean little circle where like here's phase one phase two phase three and he does it every single episode yeah. of rick and except Morty. for one except for the one that he doesn't like the vindicators uh, yeah the vindicators <laughs> he hates that he hates that episode I, he doesn't follow his but circle. every every single episode follows the story circle yeah. interesting i'll I'll check it out i've heard a lot Have of great seen things community about it. the show i didn't like community oh, it's the same guy yeah so you probably won't like, like rick and morty well it's not ju- it's justin roiland as well and justin roiland's input is very very prominent in the show the people that i agree with their content choices like rick and morty people that i don't usually like community so maybe i I like both they're the same thing one is with real people one's with cartoons okay rick and morty like they they pull they pull characters straight from community and digitize them into rick (laughs) i would argue that beth is the same person from community i would argue that rick and morty tries to be a little bit more philosophical than community does I think community plays on pop culture a lot more than Rick and Morty does. Uh, Rick and Morty tries, they, I mean, literally, like, there's, like, full-fledged, like, hour-long YouTube videos about people just just, just breaking down the existentialist philosophy stuff. I don't, I don't remember community talking about Szechuan sauce. I'd say Rick and Morty's very big in pop culture. I'm not well, saying that Rick and Morty doesn't reference <laughs> pop culture. Good God. I'm saying that... Ri- that can we, six can years, we end the episode real quick? Six years and it's all the same. Oh, you got to punch him? Good Lord. Yes, I need to get in this headset Regardless, off. my point My point is... Oh, so funny. Rick and Morty tries to have more in-depth philosophical stuff in it while doing it as a cartoon about a crazy mad scientist grandpa. So, All right, final thoughts, Chris Cole. Oh. I'm ready to go. That is <laughs> that is the most perfect final thought from ever. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Uh, <laughs> Graydon? I don't know. You used to end in like this really long quote from Jefferson or Washington. <laughs> I don't know. You used to quote the- Beer is what is- Do you still have the- Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. There you go. Ben Franklin quote. <laughs> Didn't you have the emancipation memorized? No. What was it? 
Not the preamble. The, the it was something else. The Declaration of Independence. Yeah, say it for us. No. That can be your final words. All right, so thanks for joining us here on this episode of We Are Libertarians. I want to thank our $100 a month Patreon subscribers. You get your name read on every show. Brandon Luke, Craig DaCosta, Jason Doolittle, and the lovely Christy Avery, who will be on, well, maybe, will be on another episode of uh, Miranda's World, one of our podcasts. We have a lot of new podcasts uh, out there in the world. Uh, go to wearelibertarians.com. You can see all of our other shows. Uh, if you want to learn how to podcast, The Chris Spangle Show, if you want to uh, learn about what it's like to live as a stripper, Miranda, Miranda's World, uh, The Brian Nichols Show, brand new show. I think if you like this show, you will love The Brian Nichols Show, so check that out. Um, and we will be back next Tuesday. Also, if you if you want to join the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Libertarians, and $5 a month are up, and you get access to all the bonus content, including Harry's weekly show. Uh, there's going to be, there, you got an extra 30 minutes of the last episode. You always hear the beginning and the end. There's always, I, I leave the recorder running at the beginning of the show, so you hear all the, the pre-talk. Higher quality, no commercials. It's such a great deal. $10, you get access to the f- private Facebook group. You can uh, chat with listeners while we live stream the show. You can watch it live. And then 25 you get uh, two posters, one of them signed. And then $100 a month, you get to come on the show. We're working with Jason Doolittle. He's actually going to fly out and be on the show. I need to talk to Craig and Brandon about coming on. And uh, Creighton, I do, do I do have a final thought. Yes, Stop eating Tide Pods, you freaking idiots. No, no, no. I disagree. <laughs> Eat Tide Pods. It'll work out for everybody in the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us here on this episode. And until Tuesday of next week, we say be good to each other. Oh, we changed the sign off. Well, I mean, we can do it again. What is be good to each other? What, be good. That's so what, hippie crap. What, what do you want me to do? I, <laughs> oh my doorstep! Oh, let's go give no, each other a big hug. No crap. <laughs> All right, what should I say? We'll do better next week. Let's yeah, be we'll do better every next episode week. for like that way. You're always doing better. Here's the problem. <laughs> I used to have regular co-hosts, and so now I have a lot of like people that are coming on the show who aren't a part of it and i can't just go hey do you mind saying we'll do better next like it just doesn't work if you don't have you say it you're on every episode i also don't know that i can do better next time (laughs) (laughs) we'll say that sign off i'll try and i doesn't have to make any it's just a sign off and i can't do any better than this We we promise to do better next it time. It sounds better than That's, hug your neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> Please suck At, a dick. In the after show and the after party for this show, we've got a drum circle. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to sing Kumbaya. <laughs> Fuck you guys.